You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, sponsored by BetUS, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Two preseason games in the books. That means there's one left before we get real, actual football. It's exciting times. Exciting times, Brain. One step closer, and uh, we've seen probably all that we're going to see out of the starters at this point. I mean, we really don't know what we're going to see in the third preseason game, but typically that last preseason game, that's just uh, the chance to assess the bottom of the roster to see who makes the team. So I hope you enjoyed that one quarter of football. That's right. I hope you enjoyed seeing most of the starters for one quarter of football because I doubt very much that we're going to see them at all in this final game. I think it's going to be all Skylar Thompson, all the bottom of the roster guys fighting for those last sort of fringe roster spots. And we'll we'll sort of get into that, I think, uh, later in the show here. But before we go, any further reminder to everybody that if you're not doing so already, make sure you're following us on Twitter. I'm at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. That's at A-A-Ron the Brain. The show is at Sam Old Dolphins. You can download, rate, review, and subscribe to the Sam Old Dolphins show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts, really. And of course, make sure you're visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day, maybe even multiple times. It is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. You can find every episode of the Sam Old Dolphins show there. You can also subscribe to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. Hello, YouTube. Shout out to everybody watching us live on YouTube and the Miami Dolphins. I am a Miami Dolphin fan Facebook page. We encourage you to get involved. Watch us live. You can leave your comments in the chat. We'll interact with you as best as we can as we do the show. And uh, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun to have everybody around. And we've got to welcome back. A sponsor that is returning brain, BetUS. BetUS is back for another season with the same old Dolphin show and all of us here on the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. So make sure you go to BetUS.com. Use the promo code DolphinsTalk and you get a 125% sign-on bonus. And they're going to have some special Miami Dolphins wagers coming your way this season over there on BetUS. So uh, if if you are somebody who likes to partake in the gambling, BetUS, a good place to do that. Use the promo code DolphinStock and get a little bit of uh, a little bit of free cash, which you know never hurt anybody. I wouldn't think so. There we are. So, Brain, the Dolphins lost fifteen to thirteen to the Las Vegas Raiders, and that is not really important at the end of the day. What what the result in the game was? What was more important was what you could take away from the game. And now I don't want to read too much into it. Again, it's preseason football, so you can't read too much into it. But I think there was certainly 
um, some things in this game that were informative as we are about halfway through the preseason slate. Well, more than halfway through the preseason slate. So I, I know I, there, I have a number of takeaways here, but what was, we'll start with yours first, Brain. What was your biggest takeaway from this second preseason game against the Raiders? Well, I, I mean, it, it was hard to get, to, to come away with any huge, long-reaching takeaways because the, the starters really only, I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, really only played like two drives. Um, defensively, obviously, you're not seeing X and you're not seeing Byron Jones. Um, so, you know, you're missing so many key pieces. And then even on the offensive side of the ball, not having Teron Armstead, the, the biggest takeaway that I had was that the biggest issues that the Dolphins had while the first team was in uh, on Saturday were directly the result of the guys that were filling in for the players that, that weren't playing. You know, Larnell Coleman was an utter disaster at left tackle, but Larnell Coleman probably isn't even going to make this roster. He may, he may get onto the practice squad. I guess he's got an outside chance at, at getting onto this roster, uh, onto the 53 man, but probably isn't getting there. So it's hard to know, you know, if the rest of the offensive line played okay, but Larnell Coleman was so bad that it just, it, everything fell apart on you. Well, then, What's it look like when Teron Armstead is there? We still don't know because we haven't seen Teron Armstead in a Dolphins uniform. Well, in a, in a, in an actual game situation at this point on the defensive side of the ball. What I know at this point is that Noah Igbenogany sucks. Like, yeah, I mean, if, if you like, if you were on the fence and you were like giving him the benefit of the doubt and you're like, Hey, this guy has gotten better. Look, he hasn't. Like, he, he's getting scorched by backup quarterbacks, by backup receivers. He's getting outplayed by Keon Cross and he's getting outplayed by McKenzie out. I mean, he's getting outplayed by basically everybody that's gotten an opportunity. Uh, the guy just isn't good. He's got the body and the athleticism of an NFL player. He's just not an NFL player because he just, technique wise and the mental aspect of the game he just hasn't gotten it down and at this point you'd be crazy to be going into the season expecting that to somehow change from now until the time we get to the season um so look if Noah Igbenogany was not on a guaranteed deal where it cost him where it cost the team more money to cut him than it would to keep him Noah Igbenogany would be getting cut and he wouldn't be making this roster, but he's going to make the roster because it costs the Dolphins money to, 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 to cut him. Um, aside from that, well, that, that, and the fact that Trill Williams is hurt and I don't even care that Trill Williams, got hurt. Trill Williams, Trill Williams, hurt Trill Williams does, isn't hurt. I, I think there's a, there's a better argument for the Dolphins just deciding to cut bait. I don't think it matters. Like, I mean, Mackenzie Alexander is your fourth best corner. Keon Crossan is your fifth best corner. Eric Rowe can play outside corner in a pinch if you needed him to. I, I mean, you could put literally anybody out there and I'd feel more confident than I do when Noah Igbenogany is on the field. And the problem is, is that Noah Igbenogany has put so much bad tape out there that the second he is on the, plus he wears the number nine. So it's like, 
if it wasn't any, like, if it wasn't easy enough to spot him, like, how many cornerbacks are wearing number nine? The opposing team sees number nine go on the field. Boom, that's the target right there. We're going, we're going at number nine. You know, at least if he had like, like change his number to like 23 or, 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 you know, it's something in the twenties. And then maybe they can confuse him for somebody else and you can get away with it for a couple of plays. Yeah, it's a it's a bad deal with Noeg Benagini, but it does sound like he is going to be around. It's just one of those situations where you hope that the depth is such and the the health is such that you don't have to see him out there guarding anybody because he is. Uh, we'll just say he's struggling. He's he's not doing well, he's very bad. well at all. Yeah, he's bad. He's bad at football. What else do we have uh, from this game, Brand? Because I've got some takeaways as well. And I mean, for me, and I think this is something that we've got to talk about is uh, I want to start with, I want to start with Mike Kosicki because I am wondering because we know that Mike McDaniel's system is all about tight ends that can block and Mike Kosicki can't. And we saw that on full display on the play where Teddy Bridgewater was was safety he threw ended up throwing the ball away a lot of the the safety i think is on bridgewater he should have gotten the ball gotten rid of the ball much earlier but the fact is mike Kosicki did nothing on that play to stop the to stop the pass rusher didn't get a body on a guy did nothing and then he proceeded to be out there with the second stringers all the way into the third quarter of this game and it really seems to me that Durham Smythe and Hunter Long are much more sort of natural fits in this system for the Miami Dolphins. So the question that I have at this point is, do the Miami Dolphins need Mike Gesicki? So, one, no, they they don't really need him. He's a luxury piece. The The annoying thing right now is that they franchise tag Mike Gesicki knowing all of this, knowing who Mike Gesicki is as a player, knowing what kind of offense they're trying to run, knowing that he's a poor fit for it, knowing the cap ramifications and everything else that they have going on, they still decided to franchise tag Mike Gesicki. And now you're at a point where it's significantly more difficult to get rid of Mike Gesicki right now, because to trade Mike Gesicki now, you pro- because whoever trades for Mike Gesicki not only has to give up whatever they're going to give up for him, which is likely going to be a pick, they're also going to have to sign him to a long-term contract. So you would have been better served knowing all of this knowing the construction of the roster and the plan going forward. And it seemed, it seemed pretty obvious from day one before they even strapped on the, the pads that Mike Kosicki was not going to be a long-term piece under this offense, that it wasn't a good fit. So why are you franchising this guy? And that's 10.8, 11 million, whatever the number is, it's like $11 million that uh could otherwise be going towards next year's cap, which we talked a lot about being able to roll over that money because they're looking tight under the cap next year. They're over the cap right now, but it's going to be tight next year to get under the cap. Or that's $11 million that you could have spent on an offensive lineman. 
instead of a luxury piece that you have no need for in the long term to the point where we're sitting here two weeks before the season starts and saying, do they even need Mike Gesicki? Is he a net negative to this team? So it's a disaster right now. I don't think that he's necessarily a net negative, but I think that he fills a role that is a luxury role that, you know, He's gonna. He's not gonna put up big numbers. He's certainly not gonna play to the to the level that the contract is. So it, it's a it's a bad contract. There's no yeah. other way you can look at it. Like we give Chris Greer a lot of credit for a lot of moves. This is a bad deal. Yeah, it's it's a bad it's a bad deal. And the fact of the matter is, if Gasicki sticks on this roster, he's prob you're probably looking at him for minimal snaps. In the game, you're not going to be able to disguise anything. Even if he lines up in line, you know, you, you really believe that he's going to be hanging in there to block. You almost always know that if Mike Kosicki is on the field, that he's going to be running a route of some kind. And so you lose that sort of element of surprise when it comes to, you know, how you're scheming up your tight ends. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's a rough situation. And I know that there are people out there that are like, lay off Kosicki. Everything's going to be fine with Kosicki. Don't panic with Kosicki. But it's like, the fact of the matter is that the, the scheme is what the scheme is. And it's a very different offense that this team is running this year. And Gasicki is going to have a great deal of responsibility when it comes to blocking. And if he can't do that, I mean, you talk, you hear Mike McDaniel talk about it. The entire scheme is predicated on having tight ends that can block. And if he can't do it, then, you know, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more Derm Smythe and a lot more Hunter Long out there than we're going to be seeing of Mike Kosicki. So if you're somebody who's thinking about taking Mike Kosicki in a fantasy league somewhere, you know, maybe maybe think about dropping him in your rankings or maybe not drafting him at all. It's a, it's a rough situation with Kosicki. But uh, there were other observations from this game, Brain. Um, and I think that the next one that I want to talk about is this run game. Now... I want to preface this by saying, because I'm, listen, I'm concerned about the run game. It has not been good, right? Two games in a row. And you, you for sort of forgave it after the Tampa game because, ah, oh, Tampa's got a stout, you know, front. They, they're tough to run against in any situation. Well, then you did it against the, the Raiders and you, you were even worse running the ball against the Raiders. And, it's because there's no room to run. There's just not a lot of room. And, now, obviously, it's preseason. Teron Armstead is not out there. A lot of the reason that the run plays are failing is because you're relying on Larnell Coleman to help open things up, and he has not been doing particularly well when it comes to that. So there has been less room to run. They're not running anything terribly exotic. They're not dressing things up too much. They're not showing too much of their hand. It's all pretty basic and straightforward. And it's is not to say that the running game can't get there. But I think what you saw, what you saw here in this game, in this first, in this last pre or last two preseason games, is that you are seeing that this is a team that is really starting to. Uh, it, if the running game doesn't click, you've seen what what this is going to look like, and I think it is going to could significantly impact this team's ceiling this season? Oh, I mean, 100%. Obviously, the ceiling is much lower if you're one-dimensional. Um, but I don't 
believe that we've really, first off, I don't believe we've seen what this running game is going to look like. Obviously, you, 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 you should be concerned. You haven't seen them have a good running game since Jay Ajayi was here. Um, and they haven't looked good this preseason. So I'm not going to tell you not to be concerned. You should be concerned, but I, I wouldn't panic because you, you haven't seen, uh, what the offensive line looks like with Teron Armstead. I thought Chase Edmonds looked good. Obviously, when you look at the box score and you see three carries for three yards, like that, that's concerning, but it's like, it's three carries. I think that with the full, complement of guys on the offensive line and Chase Edmonds being your bell cow and you also have Raheem Mostert who can put in who who could you know produce explosive plays in the running game I think there's gonna be some explosive plays in this running game that I where I have my doubts is whether they're gonna be able to be like a consistent running game I think they're gonna be a running game that can every now and then you know break a break a big run but are they able to pick up like four or five yards consistently to have long drives? Are they able to pick up the short yardage situations? Uh, you know, like we saw, uh, you know, in this last, in this last game where they had a short yardage situation and they handed it off to Sony Michelle. I'm not a hundred percent sure that Sony Michelle's making this roster because he's looked so bad. But at the same time, uh, if you're going to keep four, I, you know, as far as tailback, cause you're going to keep, Alec Ingold, you're going to get Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert. I think Savon Ahmed's absolutely making this roster. And then I think Sony Michelle has a leg up over Miles Gaskin because he's cheaper and he can do more, particularly protecting uh, in, in pass pro. And, you know, he's, He's, he's a little bit bigger. So like, but the between the tackles stuff, I think you can get a little bit more out of Sony Michelle than you can out of Miles Gaskin. Uh, so I think that's probably where you're at with the running game. Um, but yeah, you shouldn't feel good about this running game, but also I don't think that we've necessarily seen, Hey, this is what the offense is going to look like if the running game doesn't work because we also haven't seen, uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle out there at the same time. So, uh, until we see that, we have no idea what this offense is going to look like, especially when you, when you talk about the fact that you haven't seen Teron Armstead. The three most important pieces to this offense, aside from obviously the quarterback, are the fact that you've got that speed on the outside in Tyreek Hill and a Jalen Waddle. And then you also have a franchise left tackle in Teron Armstead. Everything else, you know, can, can, can feed off of that and can build around that. But without seeing those three foundational pieces, you can't really sit here and say, Oh, well, we know what the offense is going to look like. Josh had to, uh, leave his, uh, his post there for a little bit, but it looks like he's back. So it looked like I vamped and it looks like I vamped enough on the Dolphins running game and the Dolphins offense in general to, to buy myself enough time. Wow. I mean, really, that's fantastic. You did a great job. And I agree with everything that you said. You know, this I was is on the money. Take of yeah, the year. You, yeah. That, it's, you've, you've, got, you've had some takes in your time, but I think that one was one of them. Oh, that so, should have been, uh, whatchamacallit? That should have been uh, Aaron's one Hataki. Yeah, one, that should have been. Well, you know, it's preseason for everybody, including yeah. my kids. And this is what happens when you do the podcast when you're home alone with the kids. Sometimes 
You got to run out of the podcast in the middle of the in the middle of the show. It's what happens. But uh, so in your in your uh, discussion of the run game there, Bryn, did you how much did you touch on the offensive line and the problems there? Because there's quite a bit. There's a little bit of concern on that offensive line. And granted, again, without Teron Armstead playing right now, but at the moment we're a breath away from ending up with Larnell Coleman at left tackle, and that is a disaster. It's look, it's a problem and it there the depth is the problem. And there's there's question marks on the interior. Um it's not great, but you can get by on this offensive line, in my opinion, with Teron Armstead there. But what my biggest takeaway, you know, in response to what you said right before you left was we know what the, like, this is what the Dolphins offense is going to look like if we can't run the ball. And I said, no, well, you can't really say that because we haven't seen Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on the, f- on the field at the same time. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. That's, that's true. And that is one thing that it, that has the potential to change things. But we've also seen, you know, <laughs> we've seen in the past where we thought, well, it's going to be great when we've got Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle on the field at the same okay, time. Well, that- it, yeah, I mean, look, if one of those guys gets injured, then we're looking pretty similar to what we looked like last yeah. year. Like, if if Teron Armstead gets hurt and then one of those receivers gets hurt, we suddenly look a lot like last year's offense. Six and ten. Or six and eleven, if that happens. Now we went nine Hopefully, and eight last year. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, let's see. Other What other takeaways did you have from this game, Brain? I I mean, look, Eric Azucama. <laughs> I mean, he's Yo, a, he's a player, go. man. I mean, like if that if that's your number four receiver, it's a it's a pretty darn good receiving core. Um, he had a game, huh? How about he, uh, like? I mean, I I I I tweeted jokingly during the game that obviously Skylar Thompson to Eric Azucama is the best wide receiver or quarterback to wide receiver combination in the AFC East. It's clearly the best one. I mean, it's right Six up there with 114 yards. It's right up there with Reed Sinnett to Mac uh, Hollins. That's right, baby. Uh, I, you know, listen, Eric Azucama is doing exactly what we sort of hoped he would do, right? He's that big body receiver. That's going to be able to make the contested catches. He's going to be that big body guy, you know, essentially be the replacement for Devonte Parker. And that's what he's doing. And that's, that's what he's, that's what he's showing so far. And he's, he's flashing and it's great to see. And, you know, and it makes you think when you look at those top four Miami Dolphins receivers, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Cedric Wilson, and Eric Azucama, it makes you feel good. That is a very good top four wide receiving group for the Miami Dolphins. And I think it's, it's not an exaggeration to say that that is the strength, the single greatest strength of this entire team. Isn't that amazing? Well, it was a pretty quick turnaround. How amazing is it that going into last season, the biggest concern was it was like the weakness of the t- aside from offensive line, of, of course, was that the 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 wide receiving core. Uh, we really needed to improve the wide receiving core, and then we thought we did it, uh, and then Will Fuller never played, and all of a sudden it was like, wow, we really need to upgrade this uh, this uh, wide receiving core. And now we're saying that the wide receiving core is the strength of the team, and uh, we're we're still like, you know, what what can this uh, this offense still kind of sucks? 
<laughs> like how can you how how can you have made such a drastic improvement and still have so much doubts on this offense and it just goes to show you that it really at the end of the day what it comes down to is offensive line and and quarterback uh if your offensive line sucks if your quarterback sucks like your your offense is is capped um i thought Tua looked fine obviously we didn't see a lot of him but i thought he looked fine um other than that, I mean, the the bottom of the roster, uh, look at wide receiver, like, it wasn't just Azukama, like, Braylon Sanders flashed, uh, River Craycraft flashed, uh, Lynn Bowden actually didn't, uh, but he has that versatility that we know he has, and he's being used on special teams. Trent Sherfield had a big reception, and we know he plays special teams, so if Trent Sherfield is... Uh, gonna be the number five receiver. Then are we looking at, cause I, I think we're all in agreement right now that Preston Williams isn't making this roster. Um, are we looking at Lynn Bowden Jr., Muhammad Sanu, Braylon Sanders and River Craycraft for, for one wide receiver spot or do they keep seven? Um, one thing that's probably going to make it difficult for them to keep seven receivers is the fact that it looks increasingly more likely that they're going to keep three quarterbacks. Yeah, you have to at this point. And we can get into the wide receiver conversation a little bit more and we'll, we'll chat more about it as we get closer to the final cut down day. But I think it is at this point to follow up with what you're saying. Skylar Thompson is 100 percent going to be on this 53 man roster. Um, and it's not because he's necessarily ready to be a number two, because let's be honest, he's not seen defenses disguising looks. He's not up against anything like that. He's up, you know, it's all very basic, you know, sort of cut and paste kind of stuff that he's being asked to do right now. But the fact is he's out there and he's looking very con confident and competent. I said what at the beginning of the game, I tweeted, I said, what I want to see from the Miami Dolphins today is I want to see crisp, I want to see confident, and I want to see competent. And those are all things that Skylar Thompson has shown every time he's been out there. And I do I think he's ready to overtake Teddy Bridgewater? No, he's not. He, he, he doesn't have the experience that you would want your backup to have. Uh, but I think you're also very glad to say that if in an emergency he has to go out there, you're going to feel okay about that, right? It's not like you're running David Blau out there with with Skylar Thompson. He's, he's showing that he is a competent quarterback and is somebody that can develop into something going forward. And he's the kind of guy that if things should not work out this season for Tua for whatever reason, he is a guy that is absolutely going to be in the mix for whenever that conver the, the conversation moves on to who the next starting quarterback is going to be for this team. He's a guy that you want to have and you want to constantly develop. I think in a perfect world, the perfect world is Tua Tungavailoa turns into the guy that you want him to be. He becomes your franchise quarterback. And then Skylar Thompson continues to develop to the point that he can be your solid number two quarterback and you don't have to continue to pay Teddy Bridgewater after this season. I think that's that's the perfect scenario. But Skylar Thompson has impressed. He's looked good. And I think you've got to be very happy with how that I mean, when you draft a quarterback in the seventh round, this is about as good as you could ever hope for to see. You know, I so I think it's a it's a very good 
situation and you know it's a bummer for some of these for somebody else for somebody on this Dolphins roster it's a bad thing that Skylar Thompson is performing the way he is because he is absolutely going to be taking a roster spot from somebody but it's deserved and it's earned (laughs) this comment this is great this is what I'm here for <laughs> the idea well, I that don't Skyler know Thompson could be the franchise QB is so same old Dolphins. Hey, there have been other seventh round quarterbacks that have done done things in this league. So, you know, I'm just saying, so just saying, we're two we're two injuries away from from having the next Tom Brady, and we didn't even need to tamper to get him. How about that? How about that situation? So it's good. I like Skyler. I think I think he's doing well. But yet to follow up on your point, I thought Tua was fine. I think he showed you everything. I mean, you know, everything that you would have expected in a preseason game. He was was six of eight. It looked like he was moving through progressions in a really good way. Um, I actually really like the pass that he threw to Mike Gesicki that Gesicki didn't go for because it was right into traffic and there were two Raiders there. I actually really liked that pass. I like the idea that Tua is going to throw up a contested pass and throw it into traffic. It's a guy that is showing confidence in his team to go up there and make a play. Um, and it's something that he has been reluctant to do in the past. So that he was the fact that he was willing to do that in this situation, I think, shows that he is progressing somewhat. So I thought it was, a, I, you know, again, I'll say it, I didn't think he was great. But he certainly wasn't bad. It was absolutely a fine performance from Tua uh, in this in this game. You mentioned that pass to Gasicki, and look, I mean, it was a good pass. It hit him right between the eights. Yeah, uh, it right couldn't there. have been a more accurate pass. The problem with that is that if Mike Gasicki catches that pass, he's getting absolutely bulldozed yeah. in in a preseason game, um, and you know. You, you can make your argument. Well, hey, look, that's part of, that's part of football and that's part of the position. And Mike Kosicki's got to make that catch. And I agree. Mike Kosicki has to get his head around faster, has to be ready and has to make that catch. But you don't want your starting quarterback, uh, hanging guys out to dry. And he did that on more than one occasion, uh, in that, in that game. So, um, I, I don't think Tua played a perfect game by any stretch. Um, he certainly didn't do anything that wowed you, but he also didn't do anything that was bad. And at the end of the day, if Tua's season, if, if he can consistently be high floor and like, you know, just, you know, a game manager who every once in a while makes a big play, like that's going to be great for this team. If, if like with the weapons that they have, he doesn't need to do too much. Uh, and that's, that's the great thing about the way this team has been built around him is that you don't need Tua to be Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. You just need him to be solid and not make mistakes, but still be able to get the ball to his playmakers. And if he does that, he's going to have a fine season and the offense is going to be good. Um, but, but again, yeah, I mean, he didn't do anything that blew you away. No, but that's okay. That's okay in this game. I think it was totally fine. Uh, one other, I have one other observation, and I guess it's not really so much of an observation as it is a question. But Brain, what do you think of Sony Michelle? Oh, you missed this. Uh, yeah, I think he's played himself onto the roster bubble, but I still think he makes the roster because I, 
I think Savan Ahmed has jumped him as far as like Savan Ahmed is basically your backup for Raheem Mostert. Chase Edmonds is clearly the alpha in the backfield. He's your number one. And then you've got Mostert and Ahmed as two guys that can be like big play guys, speed guys to the outside. Sony Michelle, I think he's in a battle with Miles Gaskin for the fourth running back situation that sort of between the tackles guy. And I think he, he has an edge on him because he's cheaper. I think he has an edge on him because he's a little bit bigger. I think he has an edge on him for sure. Probably the biggest edge on him is the fact that he can, he can block, you know, pass protection because Miles Gaskin has been very bad. Uh, in pass protection, he was very bad last year in pass protection and he's been bad this preseason and then he fumbled. So, uh, you know, that's <laughs> if you're battling for a, for a, for a roster spot, you don't want to be fumbling. So it sounds like you're arriving back at the take that a lot of people were on when this running back room was constructed was that the four running backs that were going to be on this team were going to be Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, and Savan Ahmed. Yeah, and I've kind of been on that the whole time. Um, I thought Gaskin flashed a little bit last week and then, you know, ha- kind of had an opportunity because Sony Michelle's been so bad. But, you know, neither of those guys have been good. Now, I guess there's the possibility that neither of them make the roster, but I don't think, I mean, unless the Quandre Wright, uh, White is going to be the fourth running back or you're just going to keep three tailbacks. Uh, I think when you do that, you put yourself at risk of, look, one guy gets hurt at a position where guys are going to get hurt, and then you're picking up a guy off the scrap heap, which you don't want to be in that position in the middle of the season. Yeah, exactly. So I, I feel like that running back room is coming together. It'll be interesting to see how things shake up. It's actually something that I'm interested to see is who gets the playing time in that final preseason game. Um, are we going to see Miles Gaskin at all in that game? Are we going to see, or is it just going to be the Zaquandre White and Jared Dokes show? I mean, Jared we'll Dokes see. isn't making this roster. I, no, I, no I don't need to see Jared Dokes at all. Uh, yeah. I, I have I a would, feeling you're going to, though. Maybe. Yeah. So, uh, what other observations did you have on this game before we look ahead to the week to come? Well, obviously, the big takeaway, uh, probably the most important takeaway, uh, is the the injuries in the secondary. Yeah, they're continuing to happen. Um, it looks like, I mean, look, it, Nick Needham, it looked like it was a finger injury. Yeah. Maybe it was a hand injury. Maybe it was a finger injury. On the scale of, you know, importance uh, for, you know, defensive backs, especially a corner, uh, I, I, I'm okay with a finger injury. I feel like Nick Needham will be fine. Um, well, listen, we've, we've, the Miami Dolphins have had players in the past that have had a finger injury, put them out for the season. Shout out Will Fuller. Well, that's true. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Nick Needham, granted, you would like him to be able to catch the ball. It would be a benefit at that position. Yes. But, but, Considering all of the issues that we have at, at second, I don't care if he can catch the ball. Just be able to be in the right place to bat the ball away. Put a put a thick cast on that finger and uh, let give him the old club, you know, where you wrap up the whole hand and they basically right, got baby. like like a baseball on their hand. Um, Is that the Jason Pierre Paul? Yeah, yeah. Like give give him the club and let him go out there. 
uh, because we we cannot be one injury away from Noah Igbenogany. And you do, and you don't mean the club that you know they used in the eighties and nineties to stop people from stealing your car. Not that club. No, I needed like a like the old like highway patrol hat. How many the, people the are watching sunglass? this watching this video that have no idea what we're talking about when we talk about the club preventing car theft? That's old school, a, right there. We're I'd showing our age. Fifty percent at least. The, I mean, people really used the club quite a bit when the uh, Dolphins were making the playoffs regularly. That's how old we are. The club probably hasn't really been used at all since the since the last time the Dolphins, you know, won a playoff game. You know, the club really should have, you know, teamed up with 50 Cent to make a comeback and sort of rebranded in the early 2000s. You know, the club. Yeah, I got you. Would have been would have been an op- it was an opportunity that was missed is all I'm going to say. Well, they could always bring the club back and they could do like commercials for like Jersey Mike's or Subway or something like that. Ooh, that'd be good. I, I like it. I like it. Jersey Mike's Club with the club. This is fantastic. What a tangent. What a tangent. Yeah. Like you so- got your sandwich and it's like get your like. The guy goes to like the bathroom or something and he's worried somebody's going to steal his sandwich. So he puts don't steal my spicy Italian from Subway. <laughs> I'm going to put a club on my spicy Italian. That's fantastic. I love it. Yes, we know the the uh, the, the secondary is situation. It's it's not great with with the injuries that seem to be piling up. Hopefully the injuries to Mackenzie Alexander and Nick Needham aren't too serious and they're able to get back in there. And we see as little of Noah Igbenogany as possible, because, listen, that guy was getting picked on by a third string quarterback in a preseason game. God knows what's going to happen when he's up out there against Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson or any of these other great quarterbacks out there that the Dolphins are going to be up against this season. Um, anything else, Bryn? Anything else from this preseason game, or are we ready to move on beyond to Philadelphia? This is, a, this is a good question that I wish I had an answer to, and I think the closer we get to the season, uh, this uh, is becoming a little bit more concerning, especially with the mounting injuries in the secondary, is what is happening with Byron Jones. Uh, Byron Jones uh, is on the is in the, is on the pop right now because he had off season surgery and he's working his way back. And the Dolphins have been very, very mum on this, but they had the opportunity when they went out and they signed, uh, Mackenzie Alexander. They could have, there were other guys that they could have spent a little bit more on and could have guaranteed, you know, a more important role in the secondary on. And you would think if they were really concerned about Byron Jones, then they would have gone after a guy like Xavier Rhodes or, or Joe Hayden, but they didn't. Um, and that would lead me to believe that they're not really concerned about Byron Jones and they're just playing this whole maintenance thing. But the closer we get to the season, I would really feel a lot more comfortable if Byron Jones was out there at least getting some practice. But I, I think that's just fan anxiety, fan anxiety. High anxiety. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, yeah, I I think they're just they've they seem to be really being overly cautious with a lot of these guys when it 
comes to making sure that they are healthy for the regular season. So I think they're being very, very cautious, obviously, with Teron Armstead. We've seen them being very, very cautious with Jalen Waddle. We heard them say that Waddle, whatever the little nagging thing that he was dealing with, was something that he would easily be able to play through if he wanted to. But they've said, no, we're not going to make, we're not going to have you do that. We're going to let you heal up so that you're as close to 100% as possible when you get to week one. It's, I mean, it's one of the, I don't know if you've been watching this new season of Hard Knocks, but in the first episode, you got Dan Campbell, who, by the way, is an incredible character on the show. Like, this is one of the best seasons of Hard Knocks in a long time. And it's primarily because Dan Campbell's so amazing. But you see him in there in the first uh, episode and he's talking to the guys at the beginning of training camp and he's like, this right here, this is the best you're going to feel all three, all season long. This is the best you're going to feel. And I think the Dolphins are doing everything in their power to make sure that that is, remains the case for these players, uh, particularly these veteran players for as long as they possibly can. So I think they're not going to risk Byron Jones. They're not going to risk Teron Armstead. They're going to take care of them and ease their way back in uh, until the until it's time to play meaningful competitive football in week one. So that that's what I think is is going on here. I'm not reading too much into it. Um, but this week, well, we're going to talk about what's going to happen this week. But first, we got to talk about our sponsor brain, and our sponsor is. True Classic Tees. This brand new sponsor is the absolute best fitting t-shirts a man can buy. And we know that finding the right t-shirt if you have a little bit of a dad bod is incredibly frustrating because most t-shirts are either way too tight on your gut or they look way too big and boxy. But True Classic has already helped over 2 million men finally get a better fit at an affordable price. And our listeners, listeners to the same old Dolphins, uh, same old Dolphins show, can get a 25% discount at trueclassic.com when they use their promo code Dolphins Talk. So everybody should go to trueclassic.com. Guys, go to trueclassic.com. Use the promo code Dolphins Talk. You're going to get some really great fitting shirts. They're going to be comfortable. Brain, you you got your True Classic shirt on. I got my hoodie on right now. I'm a big fan of everything from True Classic. Brain, how are you liking the t-shirts? I love it. You know, I was somebody and I, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure there's guys listening to this podcast who have seen the ads when they're scrolling through, you know, Facebook or Instagram. And, you know, they're like, well, it, it kind of looks good, but do I really want to pull the trigger? You know, do like how much of this is just good marketing? Um, and so I was kind of on the fence, even though I was thinking, because it, look, as a bigger guy, like, look, I I've done the yo-yo thing with, with my weight where I've gone from, you know, kind of thin to having a big belly. And right now I'm, uh, my belly's on the bigger side. And so, uh, you know, I I'm wearing my shirts and I'm noticing, you know, if I give a little stretch, you know, like it starts to, to, you know, I, you know, I've got like, I don't know how many you people have ever watched the, the trailer park boys, but Philadelphia, what do you Collins, mean you people, how many, how many of the people listening or, or watching has ever watched uh the, the trailer park boys. And you got Philadelphia Collins. He's kind of like a, a bit player and he's, he's big, big, huge belly. And the shirt's always like halfway up the belly, like right where the belly button is. And it's just, it's not a good look. So I said, you know what? Let's give these a try. Um, well, frankly, I got lucky enough to the, <laughs> that, that they ended up, we ended up picking them up as a sponsor. I said, well, Hey, here's my opportunity to give them a try. And I love it. 
Um, I, I wear, I, they're my fit. They're my go-to shirts, uh, to wear around the house. I like the way they fit around the arm. They're nice and tight, but they're, they're soft. They're not constricting. They're long enough to cover the belly. Even when I do raise my arms up and they look nice enough that they're not just like a, you know, an undershirt, uh, where you feel like you can't go to like, uh, you know, you can't go out. Uh, wearing it. You got to change your shirt. No, I, I could go out and wear this as a legitimate t-shirt. Now, maybe, uh, you know, I, I, you know, maybe I'm not going to like a, you know, a five-star restaurant in it, but at the same time, you know, if I'm going out to the mall, I'm going to the grocery store, this is a comfortable t-shirt that I look good in. And the most important thing is my wife likes the way it looks on me. And at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. So in, in, to paraphrase, the great men's warehouse commercials from back in the day. She's going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. So anyway, head over to trueclassictees.com. You can also pair it with a suit. I've worn a, the, the white t-shirt with a suit and it pops with a pair of the, the clean white sneaks. Look out. Look out, baby. So head over trueclassic.com, promo code Dolphins Talk. Save 25% off and you're going to get yourself some very good t-shirts. They've also got hoodies. They've got chinos now. They've got sweatpants underwear they got they got all kinds of stuff over there true classics all the great stuff and they also portions of every purchase goes to help american servicemen uh it goes to help uh veterans american veterans so uh like i mean so it's already you're you're helping yourself with great clothes and now on top of that you're serving a great cause by doing it come on folks trueclassic.com promo code dolphins talk and of course also I'm going to mention our friends at Manscaped. Head to manscaped.com. Use the promo code DolphinsTalk. You're going to get a 20% discount. You're going to get free shipping on the best tools for your tools. So head over to manscaped.com. Promo code DolphinsTalk. Save some money on the best men's grooming products on the market. Brain this week. The Miami Dolphins are going to be doing some joint practices with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, as it was with the case with uh, Tampa Bay earlier this preseason, these are big days, and these are probably the last two really super meaningful practices um, before that. Really, the season starts, right? I mean, this is this is it, where you get to see these guys in up against another team's first teamers. You get to see the first team offense up against the first team defense and then vice versa on the other side. And I am really excited to see how the Dolphins match up against Philadelphia here. I mean, Philadelphia has got an offense that a lot of people are, you know, they're kind of quietly putting together a little team over there with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts, obviously one of the better rushing quarterbacks in the league. Um, And the rushing attack is nothing to sneeze at with... uh, with the Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell, they've also got uh, they've also got what's his name that the Dallas Goddard, the tight end. So I mean, this is there's some weapons over there on the Philadelphia offense. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the defense squares up against it, and then likewise, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Dolphins' offense does against what should be a pretty stout defense in the Philadelphia Eagles as well. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, and I mean. Frankly, we're not going to see a lot of it. <laughs> we're going to hear a lot of it. We're going to get, we're going to read a lot of it, but we're going to get to the preseason game and, and then none of the starters are going to play. So it's really, and this is really the case for all of training camp and all of preseason is that the practices are really more important than the games. Um, it's, and, and 
the the biggest reason is because your players are actually playing. Like, and that that's the biggest thing is that you're going to have the Dolphins first teamers going up against the the first team defense of Philadelphia. Philadelphia has got one of the better defenses in the league. Uh, they also on the on the other side of the ball, they they're able to run the ball. I think getting a look at a team that has a rushing quarterback uh, in the preseason, I think is going to be beneficial because when you get to week three and you got to play Buffalo, you're gonna, you're not gonna want to be in a position where you haven't seen that in a year. Um, you're gonna want to, to see that and you're gonna see that against Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. So I think that that's beneficial. Um, but you know, we're, we're gonna hear a lot about it. We're gonna read a lot about it. And then you can take what you will out of those reports because you're gonna, obviously you're gonna have some bias in some reports and you, people are gonna read things and they're gonna say, well, how much of this do I believe? What's the most important thing? And at the end of the day, like I said, going into preseason, when we said, what are, we, we had our, our, uh, pr- our, our training camp preview and we said, what are the questions that are gonna get answered? And, we, we, we basically came to the conclusion. Look, there's a lot of the questions, the big question marks that you have about the Dolphins team, which are the offensive line to, uh, can the defense take the next step to being elite? You're not going to know the answers to any of these questions based on the preseason and, and, and not off a of training camp, not off of preseason games. So I think we're like, we feel the stakes are so high because of all of the hype. And all of the money that was spent and the moves that were made around this team in the offseason. But we do this every year and we lose sight of the fact that the preseason is never a time to make far reaching assessments about the team because you're really not seeing anything. It's really just about solo performances it's about play there's very few things like yeah do you want to see a chemistry between Tua and the new weapons sure do you want to see like you know sort of the style that they're going to play what they're kind of go the blocking scheme the route distribution yeah you could gleam a little bit out of that but we're not really going to know anything out of this the preseason is like utterly meaningless when it comes to assessing your team but we do it every year because it's like we're so excited that there's football and we're just like we need more information that we can digest and analyze and break down and be passionate about and then it's like you you can't overreact to any of this stuff not the good not the two of throwing 60 yard bombs not the you know larnell coleman getting destroyed the only thing that you can really you know react to and and say it's not an overreaction is the fact that noah igbenogany is going to get roasted because we've seen that preseason training camp regular season over and over and over again you see it enough times you know it's true yeah and it's, uh, you said, you said it. It's all about individual performance, or in Noah Igbenogany's case, lack thereof. Brain, it's time to check your pulse. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. Yeah. 
That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for another Miami Dolphins pulse check. We do it every week where we tell you how we're feeling about the Miami Dolphins in one word. And of course, we invite you to participate in that as well. Send us a video 30 to 45 seconds in length to dtpulsecheck at gmail.com. And in that video, tell us your name, tell us your Twitter handle, and tell us how you're feeling about the Miami Dolphins in that moment. Sum it up in one word and uh, we will put the best of them on the show as we go through the season we're gonna be doing this every week so Brent I'm gonna go first here because I'm gonna tell you that after watching the first team or at least most of the first team play this week I my word right now is grounded I'm feeling I, I feel like it's very easy It's been very easy throughout the course of this preseason to let your heads go into the clouds and think about all of the great possibilities of what this team might be capable of as we go through things. And wow, they're going to light it up. They're going to set things on fire. Tua to Tyreek Hill is going to be amazing. This defense is going to continue to be dominant and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, I know that there are people up there thinking maybe the Dolphins could be, you know, 14 and 3, 13 and 4, something like that. I I mean, I think that's a little pie in the sky for me. And after seeing the sort of stunted running game and how things are not quite developing, and again, yes, it's preseason, so there's a long way to go, but I'm keeping my feet firmly planted on the ground about this Miami Dolphins team right now, so I am going to say that I am grounded. Brain, check your pulse. For those of you who are listening and not watching, I just, you know, checked my, my wrist, you know, for the, for the pulse. Um, I know people are going to say like, oh, this is just Aaron being gimmicky because this is the kind of the gimmick of the show. But the fact is, I feel very samey. I don't know if that's an actual word, but I, that's the word that I feel is samey because here we are going into the season and where where do you think the dolphins rank amongst other uh, other teams in the AFC and and i look at it and i'm like well the offense still has the same question marks which are the offensive line the running game we we think that we feel pretty good about tua but it's not like you know it it's not a sure thing at this point so that's the same question mark the defense we feel good about but we haven't seen them take the next level and take it to the next level. And, you know, we've seen this before. And so it's kind of the same question mark on that side as well. And so then you look at the, the rest of the AFC and you say, well, I mean, obviously Buffalo, I think is, is head and shoulders above them. And then, uh, you look at like the AFC North and I, I think people are, you know, kind of sleeping on the fact that Baltimore was, injured a lot and they're looking at well the Dolphins had their way with Baltimore so we're right up there with Baltimore and that could be the case but I think Baltimore is is at a different level right now than Miami Cincinnati was just in the Super Bowl and even though I take them I think they take a step back like how do you how do you really rank the Dolphins ahead of them right now then you take a look at the AFC West and you say well the like they're not as good as the Chiefs the Chargers 
are like on paper, much better team, obviously better quarterback. They've got a lot of weapons. Um, Denver has a good defense and they just added, you know, a hall of fame quarterback in, in Russell Wilson. They actually have a running game. So they have a running game and then an elite quarterback. So like, that with a good defense, how do you rank the Dolphins better than them? And we just saw the Dolphins against the Raiders and they looked kind of even. And then somebody from the AFC South is going to win that division and, and make the playoffs. So it's like the Dolphins are kind of in a mess of teams that you're, you're probably saying like at best, the Dolphins are the sixth best team in the AFC, but you could probably make a case that they're like the 10th best team in the AFC. And I would look at that and I'd say, how is this year any different than any other year? It's very samey for the same old Dolphins. Well, there it is. The brain is feeling samey. And I think. That is going to bring us to the end of another episode of the same old Dolphin Show. But it's not the last that you're going to hear of us this week because later this week we are joining Mike Oliva, Ian Berger, and Tom Ernesty on the annual DolphinsTalk.com preseason roundtable show where we're going to be talking about our thoughts and hopes for the Dolphins in the 2022 season. So we hope that you will join us live on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. So if you have not already liked this video and subscribed to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel, please do that. Turn on your notifications so you're notified when we go live and you never miss a live stream here on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. Again, another reminder, if you're not doing so already, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Amplified to Rock, at Aaron the Brain, at Same Old Dolphins. Download, rate, review, and subscribe to the Same Old Dolphin Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you get your podcasts and make sure you're visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day, your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. And uh, yeah, that's going to wrap us up. We'll be back with you later this week on Wednesday for the Roundtable Show, and then we will be back the week after talking about the end of the preseason, looking at predicting a 53-man roster and figuring out what this Miami Dolphins team is going to be. We'll ask our big questions for the regular season, and then we will march bravely forward into the start of another Miami Dolphins football adventure, to paraphrase the great Eric Reed. Brain, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Kaboom. Kaboom. Udonis, you did it. Coming back. back. Coming back, baby. Udonis, forever, baby. Forever. This is we it. Love one, it. One last ride. One last ride, baby. We love it. He's going to be riding the bench for most of it, but that's okay. He brings a lot to the team just being present. So that is going to end another episode of the same old Dolphin Show. As always, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Kaboom. <laughs>